This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome to the Knowledge at Wharton podcast. I'm Deborah Yao, a senior editor at Knowledge at Wharton. I want to welcome Zeke Hernandez, a management professor at the Wharton School. He's here to talk about his latest research, which is about the impact of globalization on inequality. But we're not talking about inequality for individuals. We're going to look at it in terms of opportunities for companies in different countries. There's a raging debate about globalization currently. Some think that when globalization opens up a country's economy, it hurts local firms, especially the weaker ones. But others think the opposite. Opening up a country's economy actually helps local firms, especially the weak ones. So which of these views is true? Professor Hernandez's paper tackles that question through the lens of intellectual property rights. His report is titled, Do Institutional Reforms Benefit Strong or Weak Firms? Intellectual Property Rights and Access to International Alliances. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So what did you set out to discover in your research? Well, before I answer the question, I should acknowledge my co-author on this project. Uh, his name is uh, Sharath Balachandran, and he's a very bright PhD student that we're training here at Wharton. Um, so I think that's important to do. Now let me answer your question. Uh, so the, the broad goal we had was actually to essentially tackle the debate to which you referred at the beginning, which is, uh, if policy efforts to open up an economy to global markets, what, what we call globalization, help or hurt companies from countries that uh, adopt those kinds of policies. Now, that's a huge question that can't be answered in just one study. So for this project, we just took a narrow slice of that question. And what we do is we explore if the efforts that countries have made to reform and improve their intellectual property rights laws um, have helped companies to have more opportunities uh, to do one specific thing, which is establish alliances or partnerships with companies from other countries. And we're especially interested, uh, as you mentioned earlier, in who benefits more in that sense. Is it companies that, say, already had access to these partnerships, what, what I think for shorthand we'll call strong firms, or companies that had a hard time doing so uh, before the reforms, what we'll call weak firms for shorthand. Now, Perhaps just a couple of things to explain why this is important. First of all, these alliances uh, or partnerships are really crucial for firms from pretty much any country, but especially for firms from emerging markets that tend to have weak intellectual property rights. And the reason is that they help firms access foreign markets to sell their products, and they also help these firms access new technologies and capabilities that then help them upgrade their knowledge and their products. They, they help them become stronger firms. So, so let's say a firm from Chile, it can use a partnership with a firm from the U.S. to sell in the American market, or it can develop a new technology or product uh, from what it learns from that partnership with a U.S. firm. So it's clear that having more access to these partnerships is good for the Chilean company. But the question is, you know, once Chile improves its IP laws, is it the stronger firms in Chile or the weaker ones that will benefit in that sense? And, and if I may just say one more thing about this, uh, the big question is important because inequality is not just about people like, say, income inequality, but it's also about companies. So, for example, we, we care a lot about markets fun functioning competitively so that, say, there's not a single monopolist, right, that has too much power. And similarly, in an economy in which few firms control valuable resources, uh, such as the alliances I just mentioned, that could be harmful 
And so, uh, you know, all of this uh, plays into the importance of the law as a way to make the, the playing field level or not for both individuals and firms. So I'm just curious, why did you choose intellectual property rights to examine that question? Yeah, this is actually a good question because there's a lot of different changes that countries can make in their laws to globalize their markets. So, for example, the of course, what's uh, important, you know, we're talking about, say, trade agreements or barriers to foreign investment these days. The reason we chose intellectual property rights is that they're actually one of the most important barriers for companies and for countries to participate in the global economy. So let's say you're a French technology company and you're considering partnering with an Indian or a Chinese firm to sell your product in, in India or China. Now, if the IP laws of those countries are weak, you're concerned that, say, the technology, the trademark, or the brand that you have, which is what makes your company valuable to begin with, that, that those things are protected. And if your Indian and Chinese partner does something to, say, expropriate or, or harm your intangible assets, what recourse do you have? And the answer is you have almost no recourse if the IP laws are weak. Are weak I'm sorry. So surveys of companies doing business in emerging economies show that this issue of intellectual property rights being weak is often the number one concern they have in operating in these markets. And this becomes increasingly relevant as the assets that differentiate companies are intangible. Again, technologies, brands, trade secrets, etc. So we thought that this was not just a good, uh, say, empirical setting, but also a really timely one uh, as a way to see if intellectual property uh, enhances access to foreign markets. So in your study, you refer to what's called the Matthew effect, which is the idea that the rich with their capital and connections get richer while the poor get poorer. Can you tell us more about this? Sure. So the Matthew effect is a phenomenon that's been found in many different settings. Uh, the term comes from a sociologist named Robert Merton, and he coined it from a New Testament scripture, actually, where, uh, where Jesus says the rich will get richer and the poor get poorer. Uh, anyway, the, the, the scriptural or religious aspect of it is, is not so central to this, but in social science, what's been shown is that uh, essentially an economic actor that starts out with more resources, so say it's capital or social connections or any other asset, over time that actor will accumulate additional resources at a faster rate than an actor that starts out with fewer resources. And that leads to a very uneven distribution of resources, right? So rich getting richer, poor getting poorer. Now, this applies to our study because we're interested in whether changes in IP laws strengthen or weaken this Matthew effect when it comes to the ability of companies to access uh, more foreign partnerships with, uh, with companies. Um, so you could imagine that the IP laws could have two competing uh, uh, outcomes, okay? And it's not really clear beforehand which will happen, but the, the first outcome or the first scenario is one which actually strengthens the Matthew effect. What that means is that the strong get stronger, which in our case is that firms that already were able to establish international partnerships now can do it even more after their country improves its IP laws. And that could happen because, say, these firms are more capable, they're more desirable for the foreign partners, and a dynamic like that would lead to an increase in inequality among firms in the economy when it comes to you know, accessing these foreign partnerships. The other scenario is the opposite. It's that the Matthew effect becomes weakened. So here the firms that had a hard time accessing international partnerships benefit the most from the improvement in IP laws, uh, maybe because they lacked reputation or connections beforehand to attract foreign partners, and the better IP laws now provide a mechanism for them to mitigate the concerns of foreign partners 
in uh, entering into alliances with these uh, so-called weaker firms. And it's clear that a dynamic like this would lead to a decrease in inequality because the playing field now becomes more level. So what were your main hypotheses and what was the source of your data? Yeah, so the first question about hypotheses, so we actually didn't have a specific hypothesis going into it. Rather, what we had was this idea that there could be these two competing scenarios, right? The Matthew effect either becomes stronger or it becomes weaker. And our goal really was just to see which of the two would, would play out by looking at the data because um, it, it's hard to sort of predict beforehand which would happen. Um, in terms of the data, uh, what we did is we actually went uh, back about, say, 20 years in history to the 1990s. And the reason we chose that period is because it was an era of tremendous globalization, right? In fact, that's the era that seeded everything that happened that is now, uh, you know, being debated. But it was an era of liber liberalization, and uh, many countries uh, specifically made efforts to improve their intellectual property laws so that their companies could participate in international markets. So what we did is we... Um, built on, on some previous research uh, that identified countries that had made meaningful, significant changes in intellectual property rights laws. And from that, we identified 13 countries that made, uh, let's say, credible, meaningful, large improvements between 1991 and 1999. Uh, I won't give the full list, but it's countries like Chile, India, Brazil, Argentina, Thailand, okay? Um, again, n none of these even today have what we would call an ideal level of IP protection. But during that time, they made a significant step improvement. So we identified these 13 countries, and then what we did is gather data on all the alliances uh, that these uh, firms from these 13 countries established both before and after the changes in the IP laws. And so that allowed us to have a very simple research design, which was simply to assess if the, the number and quality of the alliances they established with foreign companies... Um, uh, changed both, you know, after the improvement in the IP laws compared to, to the period before. So what did you find out? So in a nutshell, what we found is that the IP improvements led to a significant and permanent increase in both the amount and quality of foreign partnerships established by firms from those 13 countries, at least on average. Uh, but what's more important, I guess, for our purposes is that we found that this increase in quantity and quality of foreign partnerships was much stronger for firms that had the least access to those partnerships during the period before the IP reforms. So, in other words, the benefit was strongest for the weak, which led to the Matthew effect becoming weaker, which results then in a more even distribution or more level playing field in terms of access to foreign partnerships. So you mentioned quality of these international alliances, not just the quantity. Um, could you uh, talk about that a little bit more? How did you measure quality, and why is that critical? Yeah, so I'll take the second question first. It's critical because imagine a scenario where the weak firms get, say, disproportionately more foreign partnerships after the reform, but they get, like, the worst or the least desirable partners, right? Maybe partners from places that aren't very... Uh, advanced technologically, right? That's not a real benefit, right? That's just an increase in quantity, but not quality. And so we felt it was important to actually, you know, see if the increase was also one in, in quality and, and who got uh, a, a bigger increase in quality as a result of these um, IP reforms. 
In terms of measurement, uh, you know, measurement is always a, a little bit hard to to capture at the firm level. Um, so what we did is we used some of the attributes of the countries of the foreign partners as proxies. And so we used three measures. Uh, so one measure is the, actually the extent to which a country makes high technology exports. Another is the number of science and technology publications in the country. And what those two measures have in common is they capture sort of the technological sophistication of the firms from that country, at least on average. And then a third measure is simply the variety or diversity of countries from which firms can partner, which gets at um, the ability of, to access diverse knowledge and ideas through the alliances that these firms uh, establish. Now, regardless of the measure we used, we found uh, something in common, and it's that the changes in IP laws led firms to access more partners from these high-quality countries and more partners from a variety of countries. And as before, this effect was strongest for firms that uh, are so-called were so-called weak during the pre-reform period. So when you examine the different types of alliances that the companies can enter, what did you find? Yeah, so you're referring to a part of the paper uh, where we try to see if the IP reforms led the weak versus the strong companies to increase across um, specific types of alliances. So say partnerships that are about doing R&D or par partnerships that are about marketing or manufacturing um, we didn't really have uh, some hypothesis about this. We just wanted to see if the increase in the number of these different types was different for the strong versus the weak forms. Uh, it turns out that uh, there is no difference, meaning that the weak firms uh, sort of consistently increased more than the strong firms in access to all kinds of partnerships. So it seems to be that there's some across-the-board benefit of getting access to partnerships for the weaker firms. So one of the things that I thought was very interesting in your paper was that you mentioned when these reforms elevated the weak, it actually did not also take away from the strong. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and this is actually a really important issue because um, it would be wrong to interpret our study as showing that IP rights somehow make the um, weak firms stronger by taking away from the strong firms, right? So uh, what that would be would be some kind of zero-sum game where, say, at the level of the economy, there is no gain, no net gain, right? Because you're taking from one to give to the other, uh, which would be kind of, I guess, a Robin Hood effect if we want to <laughs> term it somehow. Uh, so we don't find that. We, we find that the weak firms benefit uh, more from the changes in IP laws in a relative sense. That means that relative to the strong firms, the increase in quantity and quality of alliances is greater, but not that the strong firms are hurt. Uh, and, you know, that's not just important from understanding, say, the distributional aspects uh, of our results, but, uh, you know, I think it, it also is realistic because these so-called strong firms were strong for a reason before. And uh, IP reforms don't weaken, say, those capabilities that made them attractive as foreign partners. It just in some ways creates opportunities for the weak firms. So um, I, I suppose that's uh, good news all around. That's true. Your paper also mentioned that you your research has some limitations. Can you elaborate more on that? Yes. Um, I think that the biggest limitation of our work especially if you think of where we started, right, this huge question of inequality of firms, right? 
we really have tackled only a, a very narrow part of that. And so our claims are very narrow, right? Specifically, what we can say is IP laws benefit the weakest firms the most, although they benefit all firms, uh, when it comes to accessing something very specific, which is foreign alliance partners. Uh, we're really not saying much about a lot of other consequences that IP laws can have, right? Which would have to do with, say, the technological capabilities of firms, their patenting, um, you know, their their ability to create novel products, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, I'm certain that IP laws have some effects that are good and some effects that are not so clearly positive for the economy as a whole. Perhaps there's some consumers that are hurt by uh, IP laws in some cases. And so our findings have to be interpreted as really a small piece of a, of a much larger puzzle. So um, at the end of the day, what are you hoping to do with this research? Are you hoping to influence public policy? Uh, for example, perhaps encourage governments of emerging countries to adopt strong intellectual property rights laws? Uh, what do you hope to achieve? Well, I think, yeah, the short answer is yes. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I hope that the research we do is impactful. Uh, let's start with the policy implications, which is that uh, I think what we found, you know, coupled with a lot of other research that's out there on IP laws, is that emerging countries on net are much better off with strong rather than weak IP rights. And that, perhaps to a Western audience, sounds like a obvious statement, but there's a lot of debate in emerging economies on whether it's worth formalizing IP rights or not. And I think, uh, you know, again, we're, we're one small piece of the puzzle that says that, that yes, uh, on net, you're better off doing that. So are there some other practical implications of your research? Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, two things. Uh, let's stay more on the policy side for the first one. Um, with the caveat that our paper is addressing a narrow part of a bigger debate, I think it adds one fact in favor of policies that expose firms to global markets and global competition. And I think in this era of protectionism and skepticism about globalization, uh, empirical facts you know, like these are actually quite relevant. Um, I think from the standpoint of firms and managers, uh, it also gives them a reason to at least understand that um, that these kinds of policies that expose them to globalization can be good in the long run and that they don't necessarily have to have zero-sum benefits, and that, in fact, they can make them more competitive. Uh, now, of course, we need more research uh, to, to get at that, but I think we start pointing in that direction. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. You can find more insights from Knowledge at Wharton on our website, knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You can also find all of our podcasts on iTunes, and we welcome your reviews. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.